Let's go ahead and stand, and we're going to read seven verses. Luke chapter 2, we get right into this, Luke chapter 2. We're talking about the passion um, today. And um, Luke chapter 2, <clears throat> verse number 1 through 7, it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, into the city of David, which is, called, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Verse number five, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Luke chapter 2, 1 through 7 is a story most people read when they read about Christ being born. The other, of course, is in Matthew chapter 2. And we've looked at all these different things. And I want to just wish you a Merry Christmas. I hope you really, truly remember what Christmas is all about. I like being in the southern states. You know why? Because people say Merry Christmas. Today I'll go visit my father. We're going to go see my father. And you pray for us. We're going up to see him. And um, he's 86 years old. When you get up to Indiana and you, you talk to people, they think you're going you're gonna to rob them. You can't even talk to them when you're pumping gas. And when you say Merry Christmas, a lot of them just look at you. I'm thankful I live in the South where we can still say Merry Christmas. Amen? It's not a holiday. It's Merry Christmas. It's all about Christ. And so we're looking at this this morning. And when we look at Luke chapter 2 we, in Christmas, we, we see some of the things we've looked at. We've looked at these areas. And I'm going to review really quick for you. The first one we looked at, were the places. There's many places in the, in the story of Christ. In Luke and Ma Matthew, you find the story, of course, they were from Nazareth. That you, you find the, the, the city of Jerusalem where the king, kings came. You also find where, where Herod is from, from, from Jerusalem. Then they go to Bethlehem, and then they go to Egypt. You see all these, you have the Far East that, and the, the people that traveled, the wise men. You have all these different places, and you've got to understand as you look at the geography of everything, how they traveled. For instance, when they say they traveled from Nazareth to Jerusalem, it was 60 or 70 miles. Other than Gary Clips in here, how many of you have walked six or seven, 60 or 70 miles this week? How many of you ladies, when you're at your last time to have your baby, would think, I want to go 60 miles on the back of a donkey and go pay taxes? Well, Mary did that, the places that we have. Then we have the, the people we looked at, and there's many different people. And of course, angels are not people. We talked about the angels, but we talked about Mary. We talked about Joseph. We talked about Herod. He played a vital part in this. We talked about the wise men traveling and how long it must have taken. And we talked about the, the shepherds when they were just an encouragement to Mary. Because Mary's in a stable with a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. And she probably doesn't know if she, where she needs to be. And all of a sudden these, <laughs> these shepherds show up and say, Hey, the angels talked to me and said, You are going to be here and you are going to be right where you're at. And it just confided in her that she was doing the right thing. And so then you have the death of Herod and how he traveled to Egypt and came back and you have all these different people in this. We talked about the person. See, the story, the minor characters are the ones I just mentioned. The baby was the major story. We talked about that. And as how, how he came to this earth for us. And then the one we talked on Wednesday was the power of it. Do you realize all the powerful forces that, that were aligning for this birth to be born? 
Just as I say that, do you not think that, the, that Satan wanted to destroy it? Satan can't do anything that God, God does. He's got to have God's permission to do things. And so with the alignment of this, you see the, the power of it. You see the angels coming around and they're, and they're talking to people and, and, and they're telling them what they need to do. You see the power of the, of the um, star coming out. You see the power of someone following the star, some people following the star and leading them to Christ. There's so much power that's in that. You have a virgin birth. That's, that's the biggest miracle ever recorded in history. And so you have all these different things, and today you would not have this if you didn't have this, the passion. There was some passion involved in this story. And sometimes we just look at the little baby and we see him, but I want to tell you something. There's some passion all the way across the board. Everybody has passion in their life. Whether it's good or bad, you have it. And I want to, I want to point out some, a few things. Let's look at the definition of the word passion. The definition of passion is this. Well, there we go. Any powerful or compelling emotion or feeling as love or hate. I know of people that have compassion and it's on a hateful mo mo motion. You know people like that? Absolutely. But then you add the, word, the, the prefix, calm means with, together, and completely. So you have the definition of this. And then there's another, ver another word you find in the Bible and it's called compassion. And didn't Jesus have passion and compassion? Absolutely he did. Look at the definition of compassion. It says, a feeling or deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to, to a strong desire to change everything with it, right? And so we've got to see the suffering when they have this suffering. It goes all the way through this. We have this. How many of you ever had compassion on somebody? What's the biggest story we have in compassion? What is the story Jesus tells about compassion? He tells a parable, and it's all about compassion. What is it? What? The Good, the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan is all about that compassion, getting, going to them and helping him. What do we find? That sometimes we're like the people that, that kind of buy, go buy it. We're like the, the priests that go and look at it and say, man, that's really bad. Sometimes we don't want to spend that time. And we've got to have compassion in our life. Now, who are the people that showed compassion in this, in this story? There's many different people mentioned. Um, the wise men. What was their compassion on? Following a star. Last night I went outside and looked up, up in the skies, and there's stars out there. I never would think, I want to go follow that star. Anybody ever thought that? If you did, you need to come see me. Because I don't know anybody that goes, I want to get underneath that star. I mean, I look up and I see stars all around us. But their compassion was that. You watch their compassion. What did their compassion do? It led them to travel a long distance to see what that star was about. Who was another one that has, uh, had compassion? The shepherds. Their passion was, was to find out what the angels had said and follow it out and see this baby in this manger. Now, sometimes we read the story and we get so wrapped up in the baby in the manger it wasn't a common occurrence. And so the angels come and say, you're going to find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. And they, they come and they see the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. And they tell them exactly where it's at. Their, their passion was about finding it. Now, 
The next one is one sometimes we have to deal with, and we might not want to say this, but Herod, he was passionate about some stuff. What was he passionate about? He was passionate about trying to find out who this child was. And so much, his passion led to a problem called pride. Probably the most prideful person I've ever studied when you read about Herod. Because his pride took it farther than anybody that I've ever known. When you, when you cast an order to kill all the children in an area because of your pride, you're a pretty prideful person. You know one thing that a lot of people don't think about? Who went and killed the children? Soldiers did. Correct? Herod himself didn't do it. It's easy for him to say, go do it and not be a part of it. How many of those soldiers do you think had kids themselves? I wonder how many times they thought, this could be my child. Thought about that? See, his passion directed people to do very bad things. Then you have this one. Now Joseph's passion was, was twofold. He had a passion to do what was right. He's gonna, he finds out his, his wife-to-be is pregnant, and his first passion was because he was a just man, he was going to put her away privily, right? The angels came and saw him. And so the first thing he did is he wanted to do what was right. The second thing was he loved his wife. He's passionate about her because he was willing to wait until she had the child to, to do what a husband does. He loved her. And he was a very just man. Then you have the next one, Mary. Mary's passion was just to figure out why God chose her. I mean, she, she was a good person. But as, as she's doing this, she's, she's also understanding what the Old Testament did. What the Old Testament has said. And, and now her passion is to fulfill what God had in store for. So you have all these people that are passionate. But there's two I've, I've not talked about. And we're going to look at those a little bit deeper today. The first one is this. Jesus. He was passionate. He was passionate about getting the job done that he needed to do. He was passionate about the, the, the love that he had for people. He was passionate about being the sacrifice that he needed to be. And then you have God. His, his father, and they're equal. His passion was based on just the plan that he had set. And he had to fulfill it. Now, you've got, when, you, when you look at his plan... He is, he is in charge of everything. Of course, we know that. But when Jesus comes on the earth, He's directing angels to talk, dreams to talk to people, stars to develop, where people can come and they can see this child. He's also in the protection mode. He's going to protect this child with all, all necessary elements that He can. And look what He did. He sent a dream for Him to move this guy around, Joseph and the child. He was passionate about the babe in that manger, amen? And so when you, when you think about Christmas, you see all these people passionate. Although Herod was a bad person, they all were passionate. We're all passionate about something. 
when Daniel came here, Daniel Bishop, he told me this yesterday, he said he had never heard the song before you came here, Rocky Top. In fact, somebody came to you and said, you better know that song when it plays, amen? So we are going to beat him after the service, amen? I thought, never heard the song Rocky Top. I was from Indiana and heard that, amen? He's from Virginia, amen? But sometimes we don't know everything. We're passionate about other things, aren't we? Deer season. Fishing season, Larry Hilton, amen? He's been on vacation fishing, and it's December he has got some serious issues, amen? <laughs> We've got to see that there's passion with all these things. The wise men, shepherds, Herod, Joseph, Mary, Jesus, and God. Um, as we look at this, at Christmas time, what are we passionate about? I love Christmas lights. Um, they don't really do much for me as much as pe other people. I'm colorblind. I can't see all the colors. Drives my wife crazy when I tell her. The lights I like are those blue lights that almost hurt your eyes when you see them. Um, Kelly got me a shirt, and I want to wear it, wear it to church. It's, it's red, and it says, I'm colorblind, but I know I look good in green. Amen. Um, and I know when I wear it, people go, what does that mean? So, but as we look at this, we're passionate about a lot of things. I want to say this to you. Christmas should be, we should be passionate about that babe that's born in that manger. It's not about the gifts we get or we, we give. It's about him. When we, when we think about this, everything changed in our world that we live in with the babe in the manger. Everything. You don't, when you come to church, if you came to an Old Testament church and you came to a New Testament church, they're totally different. We don't have a sacrifice up here to sacrifice animals. They did that. I can't imagine, I love animals, I can't imagine raising a lamb and bringing it to the high priest and say, sacrifice this animal. But that changed when that baby is in the manger. 33 years after this would happen, he would be on a cross and he would be our sacrifice. And not only would he be our sacrifice, it all changed because he was perfect. Anybody in here perfect? No one's perfect in here, but Jesus was. So let's look really quick at the passion of these two. God. You have God. God was passionate. He had the angels, and he worked with the angels, and he was passionate about, his, about his, save, his son coming down here. He sent angels down his way. He sent a star, and we talked about this on Wednesday. Do you realize with that star, this shows God's creation. He created something out of nothing. When's the last time you could do this? And re reviewing a little bit on Wednesday night. You can't, if I said here, here's nothing, make a star out of it. We can't do it, but God can. And I pointed out the fact, not only with the star, the city of Bethlehem was something very small and minute. It didn't mean anything. He could make something small become very big because that's who God is. He can make something out of nothing and make something big out of something small. 
And so he did the star. He had passion about that. Not only did he do this, he had passion about the dream so the people would know what they were getting into. I love that God gives us details. He gives you details all the time. You've got to read his word to get it. And you've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. He will give you the details. And so he gives you the, the, the dreams. He also did this. He gave prophecy for it. And, and a lot of times I, I, I've done this. I've compared God and Jesus to Abraham and Isaac. You ever heard anybody do that? Abraham and Isaac were what? God told Abraham to take his son Isaac and sacrifice him. You remember the story? And he goes with a couple men and bring, they bring fire, they bring wood, and, and his little son named Isaac. And remember, Isaac was born when they were older and they shouldn't have had children, and now it's his only son. In fact, the Bible says it was his only son. We want you to sacrifice your son. And sometimes I compare those together. But if you read the story of Abraham and Isaac, there's, a, there's a, some vast differences between it. He asked, Isaac, he asked Abraham, he said, what's going to happen to me? I don't have, we don't have the sacrifice. And, and Abraham turns around and says, God will provide the sacrifice. He, he gets the altar built and he builds it. He gets the, the, um, the wood on. He lays his son down. And he's about ready to thrust through because he knew that God could take care of him. And then God says, listen, I wanted to see if you could do this. There's a ram in the thicket. Take the ram, sacrifice the lamb. Everything's okay. And my mistake is sometimes saying, Bernard, that it's very similar. It is very similar, but there's three aspects of that story that are not the same. The first one is this, that God knew what was going to happen to his son. When Abraham goes on this journey, and they say he goes for three days, and he's, there, there it is, he doesn't know really what's going to happen to his son. But God knew. The second one is Isaac didn't know, but Christ knew. And those are two drastic things. You ever went into a situation where you know it was going to be hostile? I bet you've never went into a situation where you thought you were going to die. I bet you've never been in a situation where you knew you were going to die. That's the difference. And you know the big difference in this story is this last one the sacrifice would die. See, God had passion. He had compassion. He had passion for these things and He knew it had to happen. And He knew no one could take that place of those lambs and, and, the, and the sheep that were being killed other than His own Son. But then you have Jesus come on the scene and you have Jesus' passion. Jesus had three, three different things that I could think of that really laid to Him who he really was, his passionate side. The first one was this, is when he was vulnerable. He had to trust in his father and he believed his father, but when he was a child, he was vulnerable. Now he could have done anything at any age because he was Jesus, he was God. But as a child, as a parent, do you realize the responsibility you have to raise a child? I always think of this story when, when he's older and they go to, the, to the, the temple and they leave and they leave Jesus back there. Now, we have done that to our children in church. When our children were growing up in our last ministry, I thought she took the kids home. She thought I took the kids home. We're at home and all of a sudden it's real quiet. It's like, what is going on? And then we realize, hey, our children are over at the church. 
I felt bad for the three-minute drive. And I thought, oh my word, my kids are going to be scarred for life. Here, they left God in a place and had to go back and get Him. He was vulnerable. Not only this, He had love for us. This story is all written about love. It's all written about love. Go to John, you don't have to go to John 3.16, but this is the story of Jesus in everything. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten what? Son. That's what the story is about. See, thank God as a Christian, this is not how it ends. This is not how it ends. This is only the beginning of Him as a man on this earth. 33 years later, he would die on a cross and thank God he loved me enough to do that even when he knew what I would, how I would sin. And let me say this to everybody in this room. He knows when you're going to sin. But yet he still loves you. How many of you have ever had a child that let you down? I mean, not drastically, but maybe a small thing. How did you feel about that child? As, a per, as an adult, you know what I had to do? I had to go and correct the situation and still show that I love them and want them to come back to me and be my, my relationship with my daughters to be restored. And sometimes that's hard. But God knows every time we sin. He knows when we're going to do it. He knows everything about you. And yet He still loves you. And you know what I like this? He loves you unconditional. And you've heard me tell the story of right after he's already, he's already died and he comes down and he sees his disciples and he asks Peter. Remember the story? He asks Peter, he says, do you love me? And Peter says, yeah, you know I love you. He does this three times. The first time he asks him, do you love me unconditional? Peter says, I love you like a brother, phileo love. The second time he does the same thing. The third time he changes, Jesus changes it and says, do you love me like a brother? And Peter starts crying, but you've got to understand the love context in that verse. He starts crying because he said, yes, you know, I love him like a brother. And isn't that what what Peter did? But Jesus died on the cross just as much for Peter as he did for me. He loves you. He loves you. The other thing, the last thing is this. You have the vulnerability of Jesus. You have the love of Jesus. And the last one, you have this. You have the mission of Jesus. Um, When you think about his mission, I want you to go to um, John chapter 11. When you look at who Jesus was, you've just got to read John chapter 11. I think he's misquoted. and, And how many of you ever said, I know a verse in the Bible, and you quote John 11, what? 35. What is that verse? Anybody know? Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus what? Wept. Why did he cry? Let's look at this story and you'll see the passion of Christ when he's on this earth. And he knew exactly what was going to happen. Here is his friend by the name of Lazarus has died. Or Lazarus is mentioned in verse number 11. And then in verse number, chapter 11, verse number 4, it says, When Jesus heard that, um, that he was sick, in verse number 3, he said, this, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and his, and his sister and Lazarus. It says, And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still, um, still in the same place where he was. So he hears he's sick. They come and tell him. They want him to come and help Lazarus. Everybody knows that he raises Lazarus from the dead. But they tell him to come, and he waits two days. Then he's talking to his disciples and he tells them this story 
They tell him, he tells them that they're sick, and, and, and he kind of tells them that he's sleeping. Go to verse number 12, and he says, Then said to his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. And in verse number 13, Howbeit Jesus spake of the death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. He's not there yet. He knows where he's got to go, and then he shows up, and they're weeping over this. Question to you is this. Did Jesus know that Lazarus was dead? Absolutely. He's told his disciples. Did Jesus know what he was going to do to Lazarus? Absolutely. He knew what he was going to do to Lazarus. Then my question to you is this. Why did Jesus cry? Because he had passion for those people. Just like he has passion for you. Think about it. He knew what he was going to do. Well, let's look at it. Go to John chapter 11, close to 35, and watch the story pick up. Um, verse number 30, Now when Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in, the, in that place where Martha met him, the Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she arose up hastily and went out and followed her, saying, She goeth into the grave to weep there. In the, in the side of my Bible, I, I wrote this, She didn't go to the death. She was going to the life. They thought she was going to go to the grave where he was, and then all of a sudden, in verse number 32, and then Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him. She fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. What was he troubled about? He was troubled because he loved these people. He loved Mary and Martha. He loved them just as much as He loves you. He gave Himself for you and me as much as He did to them. And he, and he has this groan inside of Him. It says, and said, where have you laid Him? They said unto Him, Lord, come and see. And then it says, Jesus wept. He saw their brokenheartedness. There are people in this room, Bernard, that Christmas is a hard time. But Jesus sees your brokenheartedness. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you need. Sometimes you don't understand what you need, but He knows what you need. That's why He came to this earth. And it says that He wept with full assurance of what He was going to do. See this babe? He changes everything. And so then He says, listen, let's go to where He was and then you'll see again that he moans again in verse number 38. Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. He tells the people, he says, roll the stone away. They said, don't roll the stone away. He stinketh. In other words, he's been dead so long, he'll probably start decaying. He said, roll the stone away. And he, cat, he, he calls for Lazarus to come out and he brings Lazarus out. You know what I want to tell you something? He had compassion on these people. He had compassion on his people. He was full of passion towards people, just like we should be. I want you to turn to one final portion of Scripture. I want you to turn, and it has nothing to do with the, 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 the birth of Christ, but it has to do with his passion that he had. I want you to turn to the book of Jude. If you don't know where that's at, it's the very next to last book in the Bible. Go to Revelation and go back. When we talk about the passion that Christ had, he loved people. I think one of the disciples he loved the most was Peter. <laughs> He's the one that let him down more than anybody. 
He's the one that he's always teaching to. When the, when the three guys are sleeping, when he's going to pray, what does he do? He doesn't go, John, why are you sleeping? Get up. He points right at Peter and says, Peter, what are you doing? He loved Peter. He loves me. He has compassion upon the Creator, the creation that the Creator made. And so let's look at these verses and we'll be done. There's two verses I want you to see. As we look at these, understand this. This is what Christmas is all about. It's about the passion that Christ has. As we look at these, I want you to see these in Jude chapter 1, 21. Go to verse number 21. We don't usually sometimes read that. We can jump down to verse number 22. But 21 says this, keeping yourselves in the love of God. That's where I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to keep myself in the love of God. Then it says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Thank God for that baby, because Larry, as I look at that baby on there, he's the one that gave me eternal life. Nothing I could do, everything that he did. But then it says this, and of some having compassion, making a difference. Do you not think Jesus made a difference? He made a difference in everything. Made a difference in everything. Now it's your choice. Go back to that story we just read. I want you to go back to John and we'll be done. Go back to John. I want you to see this. At the very end, he brings Lazarus up. And you're going to see, the, you're going to see something in this. He brings Lazarus back. And in verse number, um, chapter 11, verse 44, it says, And he was that was dead, came forth, bound hand and foot, with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. He's talking about Lazarus. Now watch this next verse. Then, what's the next word? What's the next word in verse number 45, Luke, John chapter 11? What is the next verse? Then many. Then it says, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. Keep your finger in that position right here. Keep it on this page because you're going to see something. You can either accept who this babe is or not. The world has to accept it or not. We're living in a turmoil after turmoil after turmoil. Syria, Egypt, Israel. These are all biblical places in the Bible. We don't know what's going to happen, but I, know, I do know one thing, God's in control. It's not about President Trump or those against him. It's about Jesus and God. And he, they see this man, watch this, they see a man that's dead, rise again, and it says many of them believed him. I'm thankful for the faith not to see a miracle like that and still accept. Wouldn't you think that everybody that saw this, Cecil, if you saw this man come forward, you'd be going, oh my word, look, it's all, it's all true. He brought this guy from the dead and now he's, he's, he is God himself. Read the next verse. But some of them. Charlie, when I read that, I was like, oh, wow. I've read this numerous times, never saw that. That most of them believe this passion that Christ had. But some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. 
There's always some that have a little doubt. We still got to serve God. When Jesus was born in a manger, everything changed. There are places we, we can look at. There are people we can look in the story. The person is about God. The power is about God. And the passion is about God. What are we doing with this Jesus? Old, the old song, I would love to tell you everything about what? Jesus. 